head into a new sermon series uh, for, I don't know, for a while, called Vital Signs. Um, you know, there are certain ways that you can tell if something's alive. We call them vital signs. And in a season of talking about, uh, in a time of talking about um, uh, vitality and being, being vital, having a vital kind of existence, then uh, it just seemed appropriate that we would talk about some of the signs of what vitality looks like uh, in the Christian. So we'll be doing that. I honestly thought I was going to be getting into that earlier. Uh, I thought that this week we were going to start that way, uh, but that did not happen. Um, the Lord informed me that uh, we needed to, I, I, I missed one of the spiritual disciplines, one of the spiritual exercises, and uh, one that he wanted us to do, and that is the topic of, of worship. He wanted us to talk about worship this morning. And so in talking about worship, we're going to do worship here. Uh, we're doing the sermon, talking about it at the beginning as opposed to later on in the, uh, in, in the service. It just seemed to make sense to me that if we're going to talk about worship, then let's talk about it before we do it instead of, instead of you know, uh, uh, playing the soccer game and, th- and then having a huddle about what we're going to do in the soccer game. It just doesn't make a, a, doesn't make a lick of sense. So... We are uh, discussing uh, worship this morning. Worship is an exercise. I want you to understand that. I want you to picture that in your mind. Uh, We have, unfortunately, assigned worship. We've relegated it to uh, uh, things that it's not supposed to be. We've made it less than what it is, or uh, we've actually kind of removed ourselves from it uh, in many ways. Let me explain what what I mean here. One of two things we tend to do with worship. One, we think or act like worship is something that happens to us. Okay? Um, I I, I went into this church and, wow, I had this worship experience. What I mean by that is it was fantastic. The music was on point and the singers weren't off key, nothing was, nothing was off, and nothing could distract me. I mean, they had all the lights down, the lasers were going, I was pulled in. That's what it means. Okay, great. Or we relegate it to something else, which is just a rote system of things that we must get through in order to have done what it is that the Lord requires of us. And as I was growing up, we had the, the five from the book of Ephesians, the five acts of worship that you had to partake in in every worship service. And, uh, and so yeah, you see it in every worship service. You have, to, you have to pray. You have to sing. You have to partake of the Lord's Supper. You have to do offering. And you have to have a message from the Word. And so as long as you tick off those five things, you have accomplished worship. both of those is I remove myself from both of those equations. Worship is five things we tick off. Or worship is something I get pulled into and and I, I float along in the rivers of worship. That isn't what worship is. Not scripturally. 
Worship is something different, but so simple. Very easy. It's so easy to actually understand and to grab a hold of. Look, you and I, we've we got to make a decision, okay? Either worship is something that's happening outside of us that we are just observers to, i.e., someone else does it and it happens to me, or it's just these things that we just click off of a list. Or I am personally invested. I am personally worshiping. And I want you to grasp that though we worship corporately, we also worship as individuals. My sitting in this room and having you worship around me does not count as worship for me. Worship is something that I must do and make happen. It's, it's what I have to be and I have to become. Look, I wrote these down because I, I don't know. I thought they sounded uh, smart. You can wait for the music to move you or you can, you can make the music moving. Those are two different attitudes. You can wait in worship for the words to have meaning and mean something to you, or you put meaning into the words you're singing. It's one of those two. How are we going to approach it? You can wait, and this is what some of us do, you can wait until you feel the presence of God before you sing, or you can sing and sing and cry out until you feel the presence of God. Which way are we going to do it? One is a very passive experience. One is engaging. One is real. Only one is worship. Worship service at a church. I, I want to say something, man. I don't know. I want to say some things today, and and we're just gonna hope it works out. If you walk out of a church service and you say, "I didn't feel the worship today," that is an incorrect statement. You did not worship today. That's what happened. If you go into a worship service with the mentality that I'm waiting for someone to lead me into the presence of God, well, you're not worshiping. Worship isn't someone else's responsibility for you. Worship isn't someone else having a relationship with God for you. It is you engaging the living God of heaven. And you either do I'm always amazed at how, Yo- how wise Yoda is when he's preaching. Do or do not, there is no trouble. There used to be an attitude of preparing 
for worship before you come. We used to do that. I remember that as a kid. I can remember, I can remember taking times when, when we that morning, we, we, we had to have the mentality. We were getting ready. We were getting our brains ready for worship before we got to the building. Now, we don't do that now. We are so busy, so filled, so noisy. I don't know about you, but when we get in here in second service, I cannot tell you how many times we start playing and and we're singing. And once we finish that fourth song, because we can only do four songs, we finish that fourth song and something in me goes, oh, man, I'm just now ready. Have you ever had that happen? It's like it took four songs to get you focused and ready to worship. See, worship is, what we do here is not to prepare you. We prepare before we come here. That's got to happen. That's got to happen. Now, that's why I love, I absolutely love the way, it has been set up this way. I don't know why it is set up this way, but this is kind of how we've made church. Church is where we go and we sing some songs to get our mind ready to hear the sermon. Now, I appreciate that the sermon is an important part of what we do here. But it isn't the warm-up to worship. or it, it, The worship isn't the warm-up to the sermon. So that's why I'm kind of glad we're mixing it up. We throw it, a, throw it a little differently today. So you know what? I'm warming you up for worship. I'm focusing you for worship. And hopefully, in the weeks to come, You set aside time before you get here where you are focusing your minds. And I know, I know Satan doesn't want you to. Because every single one of us, something always happens on Sunday morning. Almost inevitably. It seems like it's always that way. I, and then this happened last night. I have been going to bed at 9 o'clock every night. I am old. I don't even know what's going on with me, except last night, 1 o'clock, 1.30, I'm twirling in the bed. I can't fall asleep. I'm tossing and turning. And I sat there, and I realized how stupid. This is what he does. He wants me exhausted and tired and unable to focus when I get here. He wants me not to be focused on God, but instead be in a fog where I can't even think about. That's what he wants. You want to know how I know that? Because when we first got married, and she, I, don't be mad. So when we first got married, Jenny and I, I'm a stubborn man. She is redheaded Irish scotch. <laughs> oh, man. We got married. I started working in my first position in the ministry. We lived two miles, two miles from the church building. We would wake up, be ready. We would get in the car. And by the time we pulled in, two miles away from our apartment, she's in tears and I'm enraged. Every Sunday for three years. Satan wants to distract you from what's happening here. He doesn't want you to encounter God. He doesn't want you to experience his presence. He's more than happy to make this time a time when uh, uh, singing is just a warm-up to listening to whatever I have prepared. And it misses the power 
what we're doing. Because what is, what are we doing if you are not encountering and experiencing the presence of God? So let's talk about worship. So simple. So simple, we're just going to go through them. The first thing, and we're going we're gonna to be looking at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Okay, we're going old school, Old Testament, where there's instructions uh, to the Israelites on how to worship. So, the first thing that we do in worship is that worship remembers. Worship seeks to remember. Why are you here this morning? That's a fair question. And I ask that question because there are people who will wake up on a Sunday morning and they will say, I'm tired, why should I go in? That's a legitimate question. Why are you here? Why do you come? Do you remember why? Who are you coming to meet? Who are you coming to see? Do you remember? What are you coming to do? Do you remember that? The one that you are coming to interact with, do you remember his name? Do you know who he is? Do you remember or recall what it is that he has done? Do you remember the blessings? I remember growing up uh, in, in church and there was this hymn. We sing it first service. Everyone stop by. We're going to sing it sometimes. Uh, it's called Count Your Blessings. And, and it goes like this. It says, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. The whole point of that message is when you remember the blessings of God, it is then that you find yourself appreciative. There is no thanksgiving without recognizing what it is that he's done for us. So we have to remember. There is no worship. Listen, there is no worship without remembering who he is. So let's look, First Chronicles 16, verses 8 through 13. He says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. You want to worship? Remember what he has done. This is not some idle God. This is a God that parts seas, that sends his son to die on your behalf, take your penalty and your sin so that you can be saved. That's who this is. This isn't just some random idea. We come to meet the Lord, the King, our Father, our true Father. We come because He has blessed us. Are you blessed this morning? When you're in trials, are you? Is He with you? When you're struggling financially, does He provide for you? He is always with you. He never abandons you, never leaves you. 
He doesn't promise us that things will be easy. He merely promises us that we never have to do it alone. I can remember a God like that. I can recall who he is. But it's not just that. It's also remembering who I am. I think of the song Amazing Grace, right? Old hymn. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That song doesn't mean anything if I don't ever stop and examine myself. And I don't, I don't consider myself. I consider what I'm worth without him. And then, I, and then I consider what he's made me. Those are things worth remembering. And it isn't passive. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be driving along. This happens. You drive along. You're outside. Whatever it is, you look up. You see something amazing. Uh, you see a beautiful, a beautiful bird. You see a beautiful sunset, a, a skyline, whatever it is. You see something amazing. And, and it reminds you of God's glory. That does happen. But the instructions in the Scripture are not wait to be reminded. We are told to remember. Yeah, God God will remind you of his majesty and his glory and all of those things. He will remind you, but we are called in worship to remember that we are active participants in this. I want to encourage you, when you come to worship, when you're driving here, remind yourself of why you're coming. Remind yourself of who it is that you are coming to experience. Remind yourself of the promises that he has made to you. The promises to never forsake you, never abandon you. The God who has already invited you into his presence. That's another, that's another one I like hearing. Is, is when someone says, well, I, I just didn't feel the presence of the Lord today. God invited you 2,000 years ago to come into his presence. The only thing keeping you from being in his presence at any moment is you. Seek, find, knock. Worship doesn't just remember, though. <laughs> Worship declares. It proclaims. It cries out. It yells. It's loud. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you read the Psalms and not get the impression that we are to be a rather loud That everything we have should declare who he is. What is the, see, when you and I remember, when we remember the blessings, when we remember his promises, when we remember who he is, you know what the, you know what the result of that is? You will tell somebody. 
It's not a question of whether you, it's, it's, it's not will I, won't I, you will. You Do you know how I know that if you value something, you will share it? Because I'm on Facebook. People are ridiculous. We value all of these things. And I know you value it because you post it. And I don't value it. It's the most inane. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. I, I don't. I care about you, but I don't care about the grandkids' uh, kindergarten graduation. When did that become a thing? I don't, but you care. Why? Because you value it. You value that kid. You value their effort. You value what they've done, and you want to tell people about it. I'm going to be an obnoxious grandpa. I am. I am. Because, because, I want to be that guy that's telling everybody the, the, the dumbest things that my kid has done. I'm going to be so proud of them because your kids may do it, but they don't do it as well. Kind of a mentality. I'm going to tell, I'm, because, because I value them. Go to little league games. I don't, it doesn't even matter what it is. Soccer. What? Quinn was doing t-ball. There's a stick you put a ball on. The kid walks up, whiffs 12 times. On the 13th time, he knocks it off. And because the third baseman is sitting on the ground picking his nose, he gets to first, and you stand up and scream, yeah, you did it, oh my gosh, so excited about him. And that's and it's, and it's great, but you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, <laughs> okay, fine, celebrate with them, let the kid know you love them, and fine. But in the big scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a deal. But the God of heaven took my sin, took my punishment, scourging of his back and the lacerations of his flesh that were meant for me. He came and he stood over me and he took them for me. He offers me eternity as a son of God, as a child of God, an heir of the universe. And we come to worship. I don't know, man, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Kid hits a hits a ball off a stick with another stick, and we're 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 telling everybody. We got pictures of it going everywhere. So I'm gonna 
human nature, human truth is this. When you value something, you declare it. You let people know. When you value something, you let people know. You make it known. And you don't stop until people hear it. And even then, you keep going, even when they're sitting there rolling their eyes, because you don't care. It, it matters to you. You keep going. So I want to draw you a line. I'm not going to say it. I think it's a very easy line to draw. If you are not declaring something, what does that indicate about how we value it? All creation. All of creation, we are told, is proclaiming his glory. That means if I come in here and I don't open my mouth to declare the glory of God in worship, I stand in opposition of all of creation. I stand opposed. That's a hard saying. But if God created everything to cry out, and we don't, declaration and proclamation is more than just merely uttering words, right? It's passion. It's energy. It's power. It's urgent. When we gather together, we gather together to declare who our God is. That's why we're here. To not just remember, but to declare it to one another, to declare it to anybody who walks in this room, to let them know who he is. And they will know, they will know the validity of our claim by the passion with which we declare it. Or they will know that it is invalid. That our words are empty. Because they know like everyone does, you declare what matters to you. Last thing. Worship often. It, it was the first act of worship. We know in Romans 12 it says uh, we are told to, um, uh, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is our spiritual act of worship. That's an offering, an offering of ourself. But if you go back to the very first interactions, the first demonstration of worship was Cain and Abel coming to God. And it wasn't a song. It was an offering. Something personal. Something valuable to them. That they were laying at the feet of God in appreciation for who he was, what he had done. So in Chronicles, let's go back there, verses 28 to 31. It says, a scribe means a sign or give, right? A scribe to the Lord, O families of the people, a scribe to the Lord, glory and strength. A scribe to the Lord, the glory do his name. 
bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness and tremble before him. All the earth, yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So right here in Chronicles, as they're getting the instructions on what it means to worship, it is remember who he is. Declare it. And bring him the talking finances. I mean, it's everything. It's all of us. Our hearts, our minds, our wills, our kingdoms, everything. It's his. We bring it to him. We offer it to him willingly. Not out of compulsion. Today we're going to worship. We are going to remember who our God is. We're going to remember what he's done. We're going to declare our shortcomings. We're going to declare his glory and his might. We're going to, we're going to acknowledge him. We're going to offer our lives and our wills and our kingdoms to him. That's what worship is. And it's not just the singing. Bow with me. Father, I pray right now that you remind us of exactly Let us remember all of the blessings. May our minds just be flooded and filled with them, your goodness. How you've never left us. You walked with us in the darkest of times and when things were great. All good things have come from you. We are so grateful. And you are a God that deserves to be spoken of. We want to offer ourselves to you this morning. Father, I pray that there just be sincerity and honesty that as we as we sing these words we mean them that we are not ministering to ourselves in it but we are ministering to you we are not speaking to ourselves we are speaking to you help us to remember to proclaim and to offer we pray this in the name of Jesus Let's stand and worship.